Well, thanks so much for joining us on Cranford Radio. Today, we're going to be delving into a bit of township history. In particular, we're going to be talking about Trinity Episcopal Church. If uh, you travel down North Avenue, you'll find it. It's been there for a long, long time at the corner of North Avenue East and Forest Avenue. And I'm joined today by Tom Karcher. He is the junior warden at Trinity Episcopal Church. Tom, welcome to Cranford Radio. Thank you, Bernie. Happy to be here. Well, as I said, we're going to delve into a bit of Cranford history, and in particular, we're going to be talking about the history of the church. This year, 2022, you are celebrating your 150th anniversary, so congratulations on that. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. It's a big, it's a big accomplishment, and it's, you know, it's a testament to God's involvement in the church, for sure, that we're here mm-hmm. after all this time. Well, previously, we've done an interview with the priest who is the head there at Trinity Episcopal, but today we're not going to be talking so much about that individual. We're going to be talking about the church in general. And why don't we start off, Tom, by, since this is the 150th anniversary year, going back 150 years, tell me about how Trinity Episcopal got its start, if you would, please. Sure. Well, back in April of 1872, Someone posted a little advertisement or posted a notice on a bulletin board in a township shop asking for people who might be interested in starting a church in the Episcopal tradition who were meeting at a home on Mill Street. Mm-hmm. And from that, a um, short time later, you had eight families and 14 parishioners. Wow. And they started a church. And initially, the church services were celebrated by priests from neighboring communities, Episcopal churches. And as the parish grew, they then rented a, uh, the old schoolhouse in town for services on Sundays. And then starting 1873, they realized they wanted to build a church building. And the Atwaters, Harry and John Atwater, donated the land the church is sitting on now, were members. Mm-hmm. And they started raising money amongst themselves. And they got the shell put up, but they couldn't finish the interior. So they floated a small denomination bond issue in town. And township people funded finishing construction of the church building, which opened in the fall of 1875 with the first service. You talk about that initial notice that was posted on a bulletin board. That was, for anybody who's keeping track, a year and a month after the township of Cranford itself was founded. So Trinity Episcopal is almost as old as the township of Cranford. Exactly right. Yeah, it is. It's very much, wasn't the first church here, but it was very soon after the the township started, we began. That church building, uh, again, people who have been around Cranford for just a bit will know that it was recently remodeled on the outside. And when I say recently, <laughs> with a 150-year time span, the look that it has now is very reminiscent of its original construction. It right. got away from that, I would yeah. almost call a castle-type look right. that yeah. it had for so many years. It was built as a Gothic revival uh, church. That was initial style. And in 1922, the church was expanded. It was expanded in, 90, in 1896 as well to add more space by adding the transepts or the side pieces of it. Uh, 18, and then 1922, they extended it 32 feet. And that's when they did what you talked about earlier. They took down the top of the spire, created with a crenellated look with almost like a castle type look across the front and the top of the bell tower. And they made the exterior stucco. And that building itself started having structural problems in the mid-1980s. And eventually the walls were cantilevering out and separating from the floor and the roof. And that led to the major reconstruction in 2010. And at that point in time, 
they returned it to the original Gothic revival architecture, which was its first look mm-hmm. of, a, of brand new materials. This thing is, it's an essentially a new building was built in 2010, but it looks like the old one did, which is great. When you talk about a 150 year history, there are lots of stories, I'm sure. <sighs> oh, sure. Um, yeah. <laughs> we could probably be here all day talking about them, but tell me some of the ones that strike you as, as the most interesting, if you would, please. Well, one of the funny ones is if you've ever heard our church bell ring, it's it's not terribly melodic because in 1926, the church purchased a retired fire bell from the Cranford Fire Department. <laughs> and that's our church bell. Wow. <laughs> so a little bit of connection between the church and the fire department, which is has actually a, a, a long-standing connection because a couple of our members have been fire chief. Arthur Kayami and Wesley Ditzel have been fire chief. Um, Ed Reed was a captain in the fire department. So a number of parishioners have served in the fire department. So it's not unusual, but that's kind of a unique piece of fun history about the church. Going back 150 years, any church, whatever the denomination or belief system might be, there have been changes. I don't know if you have any records of this, but can you give us a sense of what church services were like 150 years ago? Well, I can tell you from some of the research, different priests have brought in different elements of the church service. Uh, Father Martin, who served from 1918 to 1927, brought in um, vestments for the priest, a little bit more dressy, brought in candles on the altar, which hadn't been done before, and met some opposition from the parishioners about that. One of the funny stories there was, He'd gotten a letter of complaint about the candles on the altar from one of the people in the church and had later was dining in their home and they had candles on the sideboard. And when, he, when he inquired, he said, don't they add a bit of warmth to the room? He said, well, why would that apply to the church as well? So, <laughs> you know, it was like. Well, it, I think one thing that is a constant is people resist change, whatever oh, it may of be. Of course, of course. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You talk about obviously how the church has grown. I'm sure that first service, as you said, was a relative handful of people, and things have changed over time. Uh, I'm curious, 150 years, the church doesn't live in isolation. There were some significant events that took place in the United States during that time. We have World War I, World War II, much more recently, COVID. How did the church deal with some of those major events that impacted everybody in the United States. Well, as, as you point out, the church has, has gone through all of the financial crises that the country has gone through and weathered through those. I was sometimes responded very interestingly. Father Frank Sherlock was named rector in 1933 in the midst of the Depression. He immediately saw the need in Cranford for support for families who were been devastated by the Depression. Leading Trinity, along with uh, the Rotary Club and the Junior League, they formed in 1936 the Cranford Welfare Association, which is today's Cranford Family Care. Mm-hmm. So that has lived on since 1936. And it was a major contribution, but that's one example of how the church responds. But of course, things change and no surprise to anybody, church membership has been down for a number of decades and that has changed and affected the church. I mean. We have an education building, which is now the home of our um, day school, Trinity Episcopal Day School. It was built in 1968. 
And the reason it was built because we had 395 children in Sunday school in the early 1960s. And there was a need for that building. Then they were growing again, but our church school attendance is much, much less than that now. Mm-hmm. And it's just, well, you, that's, the cycle, that's the cycle you go through. So, yeah. Sure. I was going to say, uh, that's part of that baby boom generation that I'm a part of. Uh, I am were... too. We're both, <laughs> we're both part of that. Those are glasses. That's a good reason why. <laughs> and certainly, you know, you see that also when I was growing up in Cranford, all of the elementary schools that we had and far less in the graduating sure. class that oh, I had sure. at Cranford High, yeah. far larger than the graduating classes they have today. It's just changing demographics. That, right, exactly right. And even even changes on Sunday. When you and I were, were children, there was nothing to do on Sunday. If you didn't go to church, you were home. Nothing was open. There weren't, there weren't sports leagues going on on Sunday morning for us to go play sports in. That's mm-hmm. changed a great deal now. Now, Getting children in school, getting in church on Sunday is a challenge because there's competing athletics to do and things of that sort. So, yeah. And that's been a change. Another, another piece of interesting Cranford history, uh, Cranford history that played out during Father Martin's time, he not only led the church through the renovation in 1922, but he started a Boy Scout troop at Trinity. Mm-hmm. And, in his early, and that was in 1918. And he took the boys camping every summer someplace. And where we could find available camp space. And he realized midway through the 20s, because of other Boy Scout troops in town, there was a real need to have a permanent Boy Scout camp for Cranford. And he put together the funding to acquire the campsite at Silver Lake, which is today's Cranford West. Mm-hmm. So that is once again a lasting legacy that was started just as a byproduct of something Father Martin was doing in the 20s. Wow. We talked a little bit about Cranford schools, and there is certainly a close relationship between Trinity and the music teachers at the high school, at least in You're, recent years. You are, well, not just recent years. It goes back to 1985. Mm-hmm. I was going to say uh, James Lenny right. was Jim the uh, choir director at Cranford High School, but he was also Right, the musical director. I'm not sure what title uh, necessarily. That was mu- music director is the correct title, and the, of course, choir master, music director. And Jim started in the church in uh, 1985, and retired uh, retired shortly before his death in in 2012. He, of course, was the choral director at the high school and actually music director for the entire school system of Cranford. And he was succeeded and actually handpicked Anthony Raffanello, who's now the choir director at the high school and has been our choir master with one brief hiatus since that time. Very smoothly. Yeah. And so we're, we're just very blessed. And it's also emblematic of the, the great importance Trinity has placed on music throughout its history. Because a very strong music program back in the 20s and the 30s, all the way through the church's history. Matter of fact, the the ladies' auxiliary circle purchased the first organ in 1890 for the church. It was a pump organ where they had to hire one of the children to pump the organ during services <laughs> to get noise out of it. And that well, that would one. be an interesting job. Uh, you know, oh, yeah. I think it was like 25 cents a Sunday, so it wasn't a big, wasn't a big gig, but it was uh, important to make the music. And uh, they used that organ until 1922 when they renovated the building then, and they sold that organ, and bought the first of the pipe organs we have. Mm -hmm. That has been installed and renovated many times over, and most recently in the big renovation in 2010, 
reconfigure. I think the current organ has 5,000 pipes in it. Wow. <laughs> you wouldn't notice it looking at it, but it's got, they said, some are small as your baby finger. The mm-hmm. smallest pipes are that small. The longest ones, I think, are 32 feet high. One of the interesting sidelines of the, the sale of the first organ was the first church building had a Tiffany window in the back of the altar wall. And their story was they gave that window to the church that bought the organ. Oh, yeah. interesting. Yeah, because the window's no longer in that wall of the church. When they moved the wall, they took the window out. Speaking of windows, obviously the building has beautiful stained glass around it. Yeah. Any stories about that? Oh, sure. There are many stories. Actually, um, you may know the name Frank Loyacano or Locano, the, mm-hmm. uh, the illustrator, the famous illustrator who, was, who lived in Cranford, was a member of our church. He um, designed several of the windows. He designed the three windows. We have, as Father Andy says, the prettiest bathroom in any, <laughs> any building you're going to go to. It's in, it is in the base of our bell tower. It has three stained glass windows in it. Mm-hmm. So wow. stop by just to look, go to the bathroom. You'll enjoy the view. <laughs> and Frank designed those windows. Two were memorials. One was the Lebanese window. And the reason that was built was in the early 1950s, four Lebanese families moved from Brooklyn to Cranford. They were Lebanese Orthodox and just assumed they'd go to a Catholic parish. When they wanted to go, they were told that their baptisms weren't valid. So they came to Trinity and they have been members, pillars of our church and the community in many ways ever since. I mean, it's the Hobbies and you know Ed Hobby and Mark Hobby, the attorneys in town, the Kayamis. Yeah, and so we, we've been very blessed with them in our church. And that window was dedicated to their escape from Lebanon for more religious freedom. That's what that was the design of that window. It was also a memorial uh, window done for Betty Kisner, who was suffering from um, Parkinson's disease, the Trinity window. So he did those windows. And then at the very top of our church, Bernie, if you look at the top of, in the roof line, are little triangular windows the clearer story windows. And Frank designed those windows and they're all done on the seasons of the year, the wind and the earth and sun and moon and various things like that. Once he designed them, Edward Pettit, the brother of our rector in 1972, made them in stained glass. So there's a great history of parishioners working on those windows. You've shared, you know, a number of interesting stories. Any other stories that come to mind that you think uh, folks would find of interest? You know, you talk about different challenges when people come in and priests and even the lay leadership that has stepped up in the gaps. Because the way the Episcopal Church works is a priest is there for a while and they either retire or they accept a call to another church. And there's a built-in period of time, a year or so, typically, where the church is asked to reflect on itself and what it's looking for in a priest and sort of get ready for a new priest. and a lot of times, there's not an interim hired. Parishioners themselves, with some assistance of supply priests, will take on that challenge, as we did in 2015. After Mother Gina took a call to a church in Florida, we had a supply priest, and the leadership, the lay leadership, did all the work to run the church during the week. And it was remarkable how that can happen. And it's one of the things I've realized in my association, it's only been about 20 years now, that People today, we owe so much to the founders we talked about early who started this church and the thousands of people who've come between them and now, who, when they're there, they do what they do to preserve 
and maintain the church for those following after them. It's our responsibility now because it's a gift to us. And we in turn have to pass that gift along because as I like to say, no one stays forever. Mm-hmm. The only folks who are here forever are the folks who were interred in the Memorial Garden. Mm-hmm. The rest of us have moved on. <laughs> it's a story like Frank Loicano and, and Frank Grasso, who was a professional jazz musician who restored some of the furniture and many, many people have done so much over the years of names I don't even know. But we owe so much to them as parishioners and beneficiaries of what they've created, what they've sustained as well. It's an important thing. I mean, in terms of another priest who dealt with a lot of issues in her tenure was Mother Gina Walsh, a minor. She started in 2008. We were just at the point of beginning the building project. So she really led us through the transition to the new building, the 2010 building, and all the work that took. And then you might know the name, the Geraldine Nursery. Mm-hmm. Your, okay. Yeah, you see across the street. Well, yeah, they across the street on the corner, and then they leased our entire education building for during the week. We used it for Sunday school, but they had it during the week for Geraldine's nursery school. And they were there from 1984 to 2010. And then they, they, the owner said he was retiring. He was going to close the school. Well, we had benefited from that revenue as rental for a long time. And Mother Gina had, when she came in, she said, you know, one thing I'd like to do is start a church school. Well, that was right in your face, the impetus to start a church school. So that's what led the next year was starting Trinity Episcopal Day School. So in the, in the six months of 2010, uh, 2010, the last six months, was all the planning. And that school was actually launched in early 2011 with 11 students. And today it has 140 students. Wow. So it's, it's amazing. And that is such a gift to the community that's going on because families today where both parents work need a place that they can have confidence in to have their children during the day. This is one of those things that allows that because they start, I think, seven in the morning for drop off and they go till six o'clock in the evening, depending on what kind of schedule the parent wants their child on. They can be all day, they can be split shifted. They and we have an aftercare after school program where kids come in from the schools after school for activities in the late afternoon. So, but you talk about a person who went through a lot in their short tenure at Trinity, but she was there from 2008 to 2015. <laughs> there was a lot wow. of stuff to take on. <laughs> Certainly sounds like it. And it's one of those things where the church steps out in faith. You go, okay, there's no money for this. Okay, we're going to start it anyway. We're going to do that anyway just like we do with our outreach programs, where we raise money and do activities to support other organizations. Like uh, we have a monthly uh, sandwich Sunday. We make sandwiches once a month on a given Sunday weekend and bag up fruit and energy bars and water and drop them off at St. Joseph's and Elizabeth. And that's given away to sustain the population of people they have who need food. So we do that once a month. We also have a have had an active ministry for years with the Siemens Church Institute, which is a fascinating ministry. Several ports have ministry locations, and they minister to the seamen who work the big cargo ships. So we have a knitting program, and Christmas at sea, do scarves and caps and gifts for them, raise things for them to give away to seamen. Because people don't realize that, what is it, 89% of all the goods we consume in this country come to the country via ship. Mm-hmm. And the people on these ships have sometimes very, very difficult lives. 
and a lot of work and and not a lot of support in in their working lives. So yeah, and so there are many things we do that way, and and there are lots of things with Episcopal Relief and Development, raising money for wells and netting to prevent um, mosquitoes and malaria. So a lot of things we do that way. So yeah. Well, we're coming to the close of 2022, but what are some of the ways that Trinity has marked this 150th anniversary? The bishop came for Trinity Sunday, which was, I think was May this year. And there was a big elaborate celebration because that truly was, if you call that, the anniversary date of the parish was around the spring, around Trinity Sunday of the year. And that varies year to year, depending upon when it falls on the church calendar. Um, He was there and it was a big celebration that day. We're having a big gala in November to sort of a final celebration for the year. Our history and archival team has put together a history book of the last 50 years of our church service, and that will be given out on All Souls Day. Because uh, one of their realizations from their research is what I just said earlier, that so many people, laity of the church, have done so much in sustaining it and growing it in the last 50 years. And as Father Andy said, that's the all souls of this church that you talk about. The saints and the saints and All Saints Day, it's all saints because the people who do this are just saints. They don't get any notoriety anywhere, but they do the work of God because God's work is done through people. Well, we've been exploring the history of Trinity Episcopal Church, talking to Tom Carter. He is the junior warden of Trinity Episcopal Church. Tom, again, congratulations on that 150th anniversary. And uh, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me. Well, I appreciate it. Thanks so much and have a nice day.